camping is one of my favorite things to do. I wish I could do it even more, honestly. But it seems not everybody has a fun time while camping. It seems some of the most horrifying and unexplainable events are happening out in the woods right now to somebody camping. Welcome back to the swamp, and welcome if you're new, my friends. Today, we're going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Joining me today is my good friend Zach Baby TV. If you're a fan of cryptid stories and such like that, be sure to check out their channel. You can find the link to do so in the description. Now, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories. So my story takes place a few weeks back when me and my brother decided to go backcountry camping in the Palmetto Trail. The weather was great and mild, perfect for camping and being outdoors. We took our bikes with all of our essentials we would need for the trip. The ride to the campsite was rather uneventful. We arrived at our campsite within an hour or two, began setting up camp, and chatting about what we were going to eat for lunch and dinner. After we had set up camp, we mingled for a bit, then did individual things, like tidying up and organizing our gear. I decided to camp in my hammock this time because I had gotten a new underquilt for it. I made sure everything was rigged up properly and tight on my setup, then went to help chop and gather firewood. As the day passed on, nothing really occurred. We just kind of talked about childhood memories and this lady that I kind of had fallen head over heels for. After the sun began to set, it was time to prep dinner. Campfire charred T-bones. It was the main course, followed by garlic mashed potatoes. Dinner was so dang good and so filling. The still air was quickly awoken by the sound of a twig snapping, then some rapid rustling of dry leaves in the distant woodline. I asked my brother, Did you hear that? To which he just shrugged and said it was probably just a critter. I shrugged as well and then acknowledged that I was getting kind of sleepy, and suggested we turn in for the night to get an early start. He agreed and we got into our bedtime routines right away. I changed into my sleepwear and climbed into my hammock. Shortly after I was out, I'm suddenly awakened by my brother asking in a very shaky voice if I heard the howl just now. The wind had stopped blowing and the spring peepers had stopped chirping too. Something was walking just outside the perimeter of our camp, but as to not be making any sound, as if to try and sneak up on us. A few moments had passed and the sounds from the frogs had returned. Along with the light breeze, I asked my brother, what did it sound like? Was it like a coyote, a dog, a wolf maybe? He just said he wasn't sure and fell back asleep. I rested my head back closing my eyes and that's when I heard it. We both heard it. We, we both were now on the defense and wide awake with terror. What the hell was that, man? I said to him, goosebumps forming. Before he could respond, we heard the howl again, but this time it was closer and closing in. I quickly unzipped my hammock zipper and slid out onto the ground, putting my feet into my boots and scrambling over to my brother's side, next to the fire pit, 
He was sleeping in his tent. I kneeled next to him, pulling my knife out and readying to defend ourselves. Another howl erupted, this time so close I could feel it reverberating in my chest. My brother popped up, his pistol in hand, and fired two warning shots into the air. We heard movement behind us across the creek. It was big and it was fast, making a lot of noise, and it was going away from us. We put more logs on the fire, kept our eyes open, and we made sure that if we saw or heard anything, we shot at it. Maybe not the smartest thing, but we were damn scared. After 10 minutes, 20 minutes, and an hour had passed, I was dozing off and into a big deep sleep. What I'm about to say has never, ever scared me more than anything, and I will never hammock camp ever again because of it. The wind had died, and the sound of the frogs had given way to soft-placed footsteps near my setup. I froze completely. I've never been so scared in all of my life, as something was approaching. I almost soiled myself as my hammock begins to swing back and forth ever so softly. Something was swinging me. Something with a raspy and foul breath. Something that smelled of sulfur and decay. I couldn't move, not even if I wanted to. I wanted to grab my blade and slash my way out of this nightmare. The swaying began to become more violent and unstable. Was it trying to shake me out of it? Was it trying to consume me? Wasn't my brother playing a sick joke the whole time? I couldn't see anything. That's when the swinging stops, and a voice is heard. It's my brother's. Bro, are you okay? You good? Why is your hammock swinging like that? I was kind of hesitant to speak, but then I scream out. What the hell? As loud as I can and spill myself out into the ground, gathering to my feet and running away toward my brother's side. I slid and turned around quickly to see a very dark shadow, probably about seven to eight feet tall, pull away from my hammock straps and sprint into the darkness. We stayed next to the fire for the remainder of the night, keeping the fire going nice and bright. The sounds of movement along the dry leaves and twigs were relentless until daybreak. I believe we encountered a Bigfoot for sure, and I will never camp in a hammock ever again. I've been listening to Swamp Dweller for about three years now and thought I would finally share my story. I live in a small town close to Area 51. Details of this story may be missing or told a little different from what I remember due to me being about 9 years old at the time of my encounter with the paranormal. My mom, my dad, and I were on the way home from a long trip to the mountains. We did some camping and surprisingly nothing happened while we were camping. The crazy encounter actually happened on our way home from the camping trip. We decided to drive the long way to get a little scenic route, or so that's what we called it. It was dark, no street lights, stop signs, or side streets, just a straight road for many miles. We drove for about an hour before my mom screamed. My dad stopped the car in a panic, asking what had happened. My mom then explained with a panic in her voice, I just saw a green flash of light go over the car. My dad is shaken, but keeps driving just kind of brushing it off at first not trying to think much of it. A few more miles down this dark and creepy road, I'm staring out the window. It's quiet, when suddenly the green light my mother saw ten minutes ago appears to be floating in front of our car, and the closer it got, the further it seemed to be at the same time. 
I know some sort of paradox and doesn't make any sense. My dad notices it as well and gasps in horror, seeing the green light. Now, none of my family were all believers in the paranormal. We were all fairly skeptical. We didn't really believe in aliens, ghosts, or spirits or anything. My dad says in a spooked voice, I think it's an alien following us. Me being nine at the time and very scared, I nearly started to cry. But before I could shed a tear, the light starts bobbing up and down and gets brighter to the point it lights up. Not only does this thing get brighter, everything around it suddenly becomes illuminated in a white light. This thing then suddenly shoots away at a speed so fast that it, it's just impossible. It disappears in a matter of milliseconds. We didn't see the green light for the rest of that drive home, and we only discuss it every so often. I'm 22 now and still wonder what we saw that night. My partner was at a bachelorette party at a campground. I was not invited for the reasons of being a male, but I did stay up late just in case anything would happen. She calls me somewhere around 12am, panicking, saying, He was just in here! And I had her recount everything after taking a few breaths. So, this is her story, not mine. But I was very much involved. After a fun day and night of drinking, playing games, hiking, and swimming, they decided to call it a night. We will call my partner Mindy for anonymity. Mindy decided to finally take a shower after everyone else was turning in and walked to the camp bathrooms. She noticed an older white male sitting on a bench, but he doesn't pay her any mind, listening to something on his phone. She assumed that he was waiting for someone or just sitting on a bench at night. Campgrounds are full of strange bench sitters after all. It's one of those timed showers where you push the button and the water will go, and then, after a minute or two, it will stop, and then you have to restart it. It's a bit outdated, but it's a campground. What can you expect? She had brought her clothes in, and she got ready to get dressed. She heard someone else and assumed somebody needed to use the shower, so she opened the curtain and let them know that it was ready to be used. She assumed another person was waiting, but when they looked out... All she saw was a man peeking into the shower stalls, slowly, one at a time. She was the only person in there, and all she could do was stand there, mouth agape, staring at the man. He realized someone was standing there, and when he saw her, his eyes got super wide and he sprinted away. I told her that the ranger or the camp staff should be nearby and to notify them immediately, or to call the police. But since she was at someone's celebration, she didn't want to disturb anything. I figured there was some shock and I didn't want to raise any anxiety by arguing, but still, neither of us slept that night as I waited for her calls and she waited for a man to break into the tent. She does end up telling the ranger the next morning and they said we've gotten several reports yesterday about this man, but no one can find him. Flabbergasted that the man had once again caused discomfort. It seems to me he was trying to muster the courage to potentially do something worse as it was a whole day of stalking, hiding, waiting, and sneaking in the shower stalls, but that he was just still too timid. I'm just glad she came home safely and unharmed, and I really wish I was there because I'm the guy who runs towards explosions, and would love to sate my contained bloodlust by beating down a villain.
It was supposed to be a typical camping trip with my scout troop. My friends and I were so excited, Davy, Kevin, and I. We always looked forward to these camping trips, and the yearly autumn camp was one of the best. We took a bus to Grayson Falls, a huge state park with so many lakes to swim in, trails to hike, and several caves to explore. All the local scout troops would be there, ten in all, and we would meet at the Starfall campground for the Jamboree. There would be canoeing and racing and s'mores and, of course, the annual Scary Story Contest. We had been crafting our stories since the last Jamboree and, this year, we were ready to take that prize. As the bus pulled up to the campsite, we all spilled out of it excitedly. We were first to arrive, the others getting there tomorrow, but Scoutmaster Larry had wanted us to get there early to get the best spots. As I stood in the center of the campground, watching the other scouts mill about, going about their preparations, I couldn't help but soak in the sounds and smells of the surrounding forest. Grayson State Park had always been my favorite place to camp, and it was chiefly because it exuded this energy of safety and nature. It was a maintained park. The park rangers kept the animals in check, and the forest peeled back from the areas where hikers and campers stayed. Even so, it wasn't too hard to imagine a wolf or a bear watching from the trees, just waiting to pounce on the unexpected. It wasn't too far-fetched to think that something mysterious or unknown could be lurking in those woods. We set up our tent a little further back than the others. Scoutmaster Larry had given us a set area where we could pitch our tents, and we had set our own tents at the edge of this. We wanted to feel like real scouts, like trailblazers, and I imagined us like old-timer explorers as Kevin and I set up our tents. Davy had disappeared and I assumed he was getting water or firewood or something. No sooner than I had set up my tent though, then Davy hissed at us from the woods. Nice campsite, but follow me if you girls want to do some real camping, he said motioning us into the woods. But, Kevin started, Scoutmaster Larry said, Who cares what Scoutmaster Larry said? Do you want to camp or what? We looked at each other. I did feel pulled by adventure and Kevin, despite being kind of a wet blanket, seemed to feel it too. We nodded and Davy set out his plan. We would leave our tents here as a decoy, since they were already set up, and move off into the woods. Davy knew of a place where he had set up his tent where we could do some actual camping for the night, away from the adults and other scouts. It would be like camping on our own, being explorers, and roughing it for real. But what if they look for us? Kevin asked. Davy just waves his hand at the question. We'll go back to eat, and then after dinner, we'll head back to the site. We'll wake up before anyone gets good and stirring tomorrow, and we'll be back at the camp before they even notice anything. I had to admit, it wasn't a bad plan. We would strike the camp after tonight and rejoin the Jamboree tomorrow as the others arrived. 
No one would miss us for just one night, not with so many other scouts around. Kevin and I agreed to go look at the campsite first, wanting to see where he had put it up before we committed to stay in the night. And so we plunged into the forest, Davy leading the way. We took no trail. Our feet followed new ground as he led us to the campsite. As we went, I felt as though I could feel something watching us. It was still early afternoon and the forest was alive with the sounds of nature, but this tickling on the back of my neck felt a little sinister somehow. I turned to glance around as we went, but I saw nothing more dangerous than a blue jay or a squirrel. I decided I was being silly and caught up with Kevin and Davy as they headed for the secret campsite. Even Kevin had to admit that the campsite was pretty cool. It was set in a small clearing and complete with a fire pit that led me to believe that other scouts had used this site before. His tent almost looked out of place here and I could just imagine scouts before us sleeping under the stars in the sleeping bags. Davy asked us what we had thought and I could see the both of us were sold on the idea of a rustic campout in the woods. We both agreed to come back after dinner and thus we returned to the group. The rest of the day went fairly uneventful. We returned to find a hike about to begin, so we tagged along as Scoutmaster Larry showed us nature's glory. We were a little nervous that they might happen to come upon our campsite but the hike took us around to a nearby creek and up to a natural waterfall that led from a nearby lake. As we returned, Scoutmaster Mark had our dinner cooking over a small fire near the counselor's tents. We set about preparing for the meal, and soon we were all stretched out in the grass eating campfire stew and hardtack bread. As we ate, Scoutmaster Larry laid out the day's events for tomorrow's jamboree. It would be a whole day of canoe races, contests, and all of it capped off by the scary story contest at the s'more roast. All of us were chattering quietly as we headed off to bed, the sun setting behind us as the three of us pretended to head to our tents. As the sun set low, we moved into the woods and made our way to the campground. As we followed Davy into the woods, I began to hear something strange in the surrounding green. It started as an overriding noise, making Kevin and Davy hard to hear, even at close proximity. Davy was too excited to even acknowledge it at first, but I saw Kevin shooting furtive looks into the surrounding woods. The sounds of the forest seemed to be higher than I had ever heard them, and the deeper we went, the louder it seemed to become. The birds sounded like a flock, squatting and chattering animatedly to each other, and many of them sounded like species not native to the region. The scouts are taught to identify local birds. It's for a badge, and many of these sounded different from the finches and quail you usually hear this time of year. I heard deer grunting and the yowls of cats and the growl of a bear and even the throaty howl of a wolf. The strangest thing of all wasn't the sounds or the presence of non-native animals, though. The strangest part was that each cry was exactly the same. 
same sound, same volume, same everything. The others could hear it too. That much was obvious, but they were pretending they couldn't. We could all hear the sounds of animals, all of them too loudly. Kevin was starting to cry. Davy kept insisting that once we made it to the campsite, everything would be okay. He was pulling Kevin along by now, Davy's hand wrapped around his wrist. Kevin was nearly frozen with fear, and I could see his eyes shining as he was half-drugged through the trail. When we reached the tent, we all went straight in, not daring to even start a fire we had built up to use for that night. We huddled in our tent, Kevin hyperventilating, as Davy and I peeked out through the flap. The forest was still very loud, very populated, but it seemed to stop at our campsite. It was like a song heard from behind a door. You know the song, but the words are muffled. We watched the woods, both of us agreeing that we couldn't go back. We would have to stay here tonight, and Davy said we should sleep in shifts. There's definitely something out there. If we slept in shifts, we can catch it if it tries to sneak up on us. I agreed. For the moment, the two of us just watched the woods. The noises were moving away, like a troop of actors on the move, and Kevin came to join us as well. We spent an hour watching the woods, and I was unsurprised when I looked over to find Kevin snoring in the corner. The adrenaline was kicking out, and we were all getting tired. I told Davy I was going to lie down as well, but I couldn't get comfortable. I was so tired, but my mind wouldn't shut off. I laid there, angrily tossing for what felt like hours, and that was probably why I heard them. I had just started to doze off when the first of the voices scraped across my senses. I woke up to find Davy and Kevin stirring, woken up by the voices from outside the tent. They were familiar voices, campers and scoutmasters we knew, all of them calling our names. They were out in the woods at night searching for us, and their voices scattered through the dark wilderness in a jarring way. They were too loud somehow, disturbing the perfect silence of the nighttime forest. They also seemed wrong somehow, like the animal sounds from earlier. Each of them was the exact same name, called in the exact same way, again and again. Davy opened the tent, looking out into the darkness, looking for flashlights. The forest was still dark, the crickets and the night birds alarmingly silent. The quiet of night was disturbed only by the yelling searchers, and the sound of their voices was making my skin crawl. Kevin seemed shaken as the voices grew closer and closer. Maybe we should just go to them, guys. They're going to be mad if they find our tent out here. We could just say we were out here using the bathroom. His voice shook as he said it, and I could tell he was getting ready to bolt. Kevin was the type who feared getting into trouble more than silly things like possible death. Davy turned away from the flap to look at him. Are you crazy? If we stay right where we are, they'll never find us. Kevin, however, didn't seem so sure. As we stood at the tent flap, 
watching the woods and listening to the voices. Kevin made a sound like a wounded cat and made a break for the woods. He shoved past us and went running into the brush, yelling that he was sorry for making them look for him. We heard him apologizing until his yells were suddenly cut off. He was stammering apologies one minute, and the next he was as silent as a grave. Davy and I looked out into the woods, shuddering in the sudden silence that had held sway across the dark green world. Then, as suddenly as they had stopped, the voices began again. We could hear Kevin's voice amongst them, calling for us to come out. Davy, I said, both of us still looking out into the woods, my eyes just realizing something my brain should have a long time ago. If they're out here looking for us, why don't they have flashlights? Davy contemplated this, and it seemed to scare him just as much as it scared me. We went back inside, huddled in our tent as the voices grew closer and closer. Davy zipped up the doorway and walked backwards into the suddenly flimsy canvas tent. He seemed afraid to turn his back to the doorway and just sort of stood in the middle as he kept his eyes fixed to the secured opening. I hunkered in my sleeping bag, listening to the voices call our names as they came closer and closer. Davy shuddered, cocking his head like a dog who hears a noise. He suddenly took a step towards the door and I yelled at him to get away from there. I hunkered down in my own bag, hearing the voices calling our names, and my tears were wet as they slid nakedly down my face. We were trapped out here, alone, with no one to help us. Why hadn't we just stayed with the others? I sunk deeper into my bag, hoping to wake up finding that this was just a dream, and feel silly for letting it scare me. I opened my eyes as the zipper slid open. I looked out to find Davy standing in the doorway, looking out as the voices seemed to surround our tent. I begged him to close it, begged him to come back, but he only glanced back at me, almost apologetically. The moon casted his face in a stark relief, turning him into a carved totem, and then he turned and stepped out into the night. He left the tent open, and I heard him scream as whatever was calling to us got him. His scream was high and long, cutting through the monotonous calling like an axe through a melon. It cut off at the peak of its terror, however, and the sound of it ending made me bunch down in my sleeping bag all the more. The next time I heard his voice was when it joined that frightening chorus all of them now calling for me. I put my hands over my ears, trying to block them out. I wanted them to stop. I wanted this to all be over, and I sat there shuddering. I suddenly became aware that I couldn't hear anything. I pulled my hands away from my ears slowly at first and heard nothing but the silence of the outside night. I looked to the flap of the tent and found only the soft rustle of the fabric against the zipper as I began to worm out of the warm embrace of my sleeping bag. I got about half out when suddenly they were all around me. 
Their hands pushed at the walls of the tent. Their faces were canvas-covered masks as they tried to press their way inside. I could see their terrible features and hear their raged breathing as they all shoved at the thin barrier of my tent. There were so many of them, adults, children, animals, and others who resembled nothing so much as skeletons with vaguely human shapes. A shadow fell onto the floor of my dwelling, and I looked to see one framed in the open doorway. I zipped my sleeping bag shut then, and hunkered at the bottom, a snail trapped inside its shell. Outside, I could hear the voices surrounding me again, moving in for the kill as I shuddered into the bottom of my sleeping bag. When I heard the metallic sound of a zipper, I knew I was done for. The creature sank its face into the mouth of the sleeping bag, and I cowered as its bony face leered at me. As it opened its mouth, it screamed my name, lunging at me with its bony teeth, its pale white skull luminescent in the darkness of the bag. I died with the sound of my own name fighting against the rippling scream that rode up my throat. The scouts around the fire looked at me as though I was from another planet. The campfire was the only sound, the logs crackling merely as the collected troops sat there looking at me as I stood in the story circle. Even some of the scoutmasters looked a little rattled up by the story, but slowly, they started to clap. Scoutmaster Leary clapped the loudest, shaking his head as he approached. Now I see why you wanted to go last. That would have been a hard story to top. I think we could agree which story wins this year's Jamboree Scary Story Contest. The applause picked up then, and Davy slugged me in the arm as I sat back down. Can't believe you kept that to yourself all week. I thought Kevin was going to pee his pants. Was not, Kevin said back, although he looked a little pale nonetheless. I smiled. Storytelling was something I was good at, and it was always nice to be recognized for my talents. I let my mind slip into the woods around us, hearing the call of the night birds and the whimper of the wind. Perhaps there was something like that out in the woods of the state park. Who could say what lurked in the deep pockets that surrounded area made for man? I felt myself shiver a little as the wind pushed a sound across my senses, a lonesome sound that sounded eerily like my name. My audience may not be the only ones having trouble sleeping tonight. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true camping horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the channel. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day, on all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to give us a 5-star rating over there as it helps us out a ton. 
if you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are. You can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of all of that, maybe check out the merch store. We have t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's a story from the woods, camping, a cryptid encounter, or something different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Many thanks to my friend Zach Baby TV who read story number four today. If you enjoy his channel, be sure to check him out and give him a subscribe. There's a link in the description to do so. I would love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. Don't forget to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.